Well, this sermon has a title. It's unusual that I give one, but I just like the uh, title I came up with. For the love of God. Father, we ask you that you open our hearts, our minds, that we sense your spirit, that we feel your leading and your guidance, that we know your love in our lives, that you give us courage to share that love with one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is going to be a dessert sermon. I'm a grandfather. I know how to feed my uh, grandchildren dessert for their dinner because they get to go home afterwards. And so this sermon will be a dessert sermon. Since I'm an occasional speaker, I don't have to feed you the meat and potatoes of the spiritual life. I can give you the, the cream of the cream, that, that best of the best desserts. So I'm going to start with the cherries on top of this dessert sermon. God loves you. It's unlikely that you would be here if you didn't already think that, if that didn't already bring you joy and comfort to your hearts and to your minds. But let me say it again. God loves you. It's hard to say it too many times. It's the central truth of our faith. God loves you. So the three cherries on top of our Sunday, Sunday. I've been reading a book by a man named David Kessler. Uh, you probably can't see it very well. It's called Finding Meaning. He is a grief counselor, and he talks about dealing with grief. And one of the points in his book that I found really comforting is that none of us encounter grief and respond to grief in the same way, that there's no right way or wrong way to grieve for the loss of someone. And I also find that that's the same for the way we love God. That God is the same for us, but the way we experience God, the re way we relate to God, our relationship with God is unique to each and every one of us. We're not all the same in, in our experience of God. And we all can share that experience we have of God with one another to encourage and strengthen and build one another's faith. I found that uh, Phil already preached my sermon with his prayer, so I'm, oh, wait, no. So today's verse, it's found on page 718 in the Pew Bibles. It's from Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There was a, a, a scribe who came up to Jesus and was hearing him teach, and he decided to ask him one of the difficult questions, like Phil's questions, what's the meaning of life? He asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What is it that we have to do to please God? This is kind of the religious equivalent of Einstein's um, mass equals energy formula, E equals MC2. But this is for our religious life. He says, love God, love your neighbor. And we do this because God first loved us. 
that we at some point in our lives, most of us, have experienced God's love for us, his reaching out and caring for us, his comfort and his care. As I said, this is a dessert sermon. I'm not going to ask you difficult questions. I want you to think about the times. Where has God been there in your life that you found him? In 1 John 4, verses 1 through 12, so this is a rather long passage. It's on page 863. So again, this is 1 John 4, verses 1 through 12. Dear friends, he was a Quaker way back then. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So the love of God is demonstrated to us. We experience it, and we share it with those around us. The spiritual command to love God and to love one another is like two sides of the same coin, that you can't have one without the other, that God first showed us his love, and our response is love of God and love of one another. But how do we love one another? What are the signs that you are loving someone? Are they the same as mine? I doubt it. Probably they rhyme. Not exact matches, but similar. If you love someone, you spend time with them. You make it a priority to spend time with them. If you love someone, you will look for the best in them and the best for them. If you love someone and they are a pain, you will try to comfort them. With Linda, my wife, it's darkest chocolate I can find. As a matter of fact, one time a pastor of ours visited Linda in the hospital and brought her sacramental dark chocolate because of his concern and love for the two of us. When you see a couple in love, you probably notice that they have special ways of communicating. A single word can bring a smile. Now, everyone watch Linda over here. I'm going to say that word. Oh, no. <laughs> a single look can direct the action of the people in relationship. A simple gesture can show their love for each other. Had a coworker one time named Wallace, and Wallace came up to me, and um, I didn't know a whole lot about Wallace. He was a salesman. I was an engineer, and so you know the two of us are kind of like oil and water. And Wallace comes up to me and says, "Oh, you are so cute with your wife." And I said, "What?" And he said, "Well, when you hold hands and walk down the sidewalk." And I just thought, "Well, that's because I love Linda, and we find comfort in touching one another that way." It was unique and special to us. 
Now, sometimes those close relationships can make others feel a little envious or left out. And hopefully that's not the way you feel if you see someone you think loves God more than you or has a deeper, more expressive experience of God. So each of our relationships with God is similar. So how do you experience the love of God in your life? When does God bring you dark chocolate? How do you experience God's winks, jokes, and words with you? With whom do you share that experience? I could stop here. That's a rich enough dessert. Uh, there's enough to chew on there to, to satiate you. But being a grandparent and dessert for children, I'm going to offer you a little bit more. The next passage is from Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. It's page 659 in your, your Bible. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. Jack justly, to love mercy, walk humbly with your God. I had a problem in preparing this message. When Don asked me, I came up with three verses immediately and said, okay, I'm going to preach on, uh-oh. And then I spent uh, quite a while working it out with God as to which three, and he said, all three. And I said, well, God, I... <laughs> actually, I don't literally talk to God. I have this feeling, and until God and I come to agreement, there's no certainty. So God and I worked through this, and he said, well, you know what joins these all together is the experience of my love in people's lives, and that that love is spread to others because they have experienced my love. And this passage deals with that because we walk humbly with our God. We know that God talks to us, communicates to us, interacts with us. The Bible is full of stories of different ways that God has interacted with people. Um, I kind of like Balaam, you know, when his donkey turns around, throws him off and says, you know, there's an angel standing there. You really don't want to go on. Or how about the story of Jacob, where Jacob is wrestling with God? Or the story of Abraham that we heard last week, where he sees God coming and welcomes him to his tent and his house. David, a man after God's own heart. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Peter, Paul, the other disciples. There are stories full of people interacting with God and dealing with God's love and spreading that to others. History is also full of interactions of God with his people. I like George Fox's interactions when he's up on Pendle Hill and sees a large people gathered and has that vision of God and, and the peace of God and that God is in us as opposed to the uh, church of his day. C.S. Lewis, I like, is surprised by joy where he ultimately is drugged, kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God. He could no longer deny the presence and existence of God and was uh, then converted. I had a friend in Nigeria. Her name was Mary Verghese. She was from India. And I'm afraid at that time I was not as generous about my uh, feelings about people's interactions with God. So Mary talked about, you know, 
every time something happened to her, she would ask God about it or talk to God about it or see if God was joking with her. And, you know, that's how Mary interacted with God. At the time, I was a young man. Okay, I was 30. I should have known better. You know, I, I tried to talk to her about that. Is, is it really a, a loud voice you're hearing? Uh, you know, do you speak out loud when you're talking to God? And, and she felt like I was demeaning her. And, and I, well, maybe I did. So I shouldn't have done that. But she had a way of knowing about God, knowing about God in her life, and sharing that with other people. So how have you been walking in God's love? How do you communicate with God? Can you share that with us during the time that we'll be following? The third passage is from Psalms 42, verse 1. That's page 401 in your Bible. It's a relatively short verse. I preached on it before. It's the beginning of a psalm of lament, of sadness. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. It's almost like the love song. All I need is the air to breathe and to love you, or so it seems to me. It asks the question, not only do we know God's love, do we share God's love, but can we persevere in God's love? Lynn and I have been married for 41 years, a little more. Uh, some of you have probably been married longer. And I keep learning new things about Linda. There was a new thing this week, but I'm afraid I'm getting old and I forgot it, uh, about her childhood that I hadn't heard before. I find that our shared experience draws us together, keeps us closer together. I just find that we have shared values and commitments that keep us close. So what is keeping your relationship with those around you close? And does that also reflect in the way you care, are cared for by God and your love with God? I've been a Christian for almost 50 years. I was 15 and I'm 65, so that's the math. I don't have an exact date. I think it was November. I found that my love for God is similar, that even after 50 years, I discover more about God, his love for me, and his love for us together. Again, from this book about finding meaning by David Kessler, he writes that to get past grief, there's pain and there's suffering, and eventually there's love. That you can't, can't choose the first, that in grief there's always pain. The second can be changed. And ultimately, when you find meaning, you find love. He's not really a Christian author, but there's a Christian principle behind what he has to say. That at times our life can seem painful. That we can't see a purpose. Like Phil talking about being over the ocean and the physics of the jet plane and how... You know, this is all just too wonderful, too amazing, too astounding. And the same thing as we go through our lives with God, we can find more and more amazing things, more and more ways that he comforts us even when we don't expect it. 
Well, we're down to the crust of the dessert. I'm sorry. Does your love of God lead you to desire more interaction with him? Do you seek to see God work in your life and the life of others? Do you share God's abundant love with those around you? In Romans 8, verses 35 through 39, probably my favorite verses of the entire Bible, it's, uh, I think, page 801, if I can read my own handwriting. Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither high nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.